You're listening to the Lombok's Crusade podcast, episode 33, featuring G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number 43, cover dated January 1986. Welcome to the 33rd episode of the Longbox Crusade. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Cristados. The Longbox Crusade is a podcast where each episode, a random cover month and year is chosen, and then an issue is selected from one of the Longbox Crusade crew members' comic collection. Each episode, we will summarize, review, and reminisce about the issue, ads, and events of that time period. Joining me for this episode is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. Death Probe, the Yard Sale Artist. Hey, man. Hey, hey. Well, I'm happy to be back on the original. The original recipe. Yep. Box Crusade. That's not extra crispy here. It's no, I'd I, I love me some extra crispy, but we got to stick with the original flavor right now. But no, man, I, I'm excited to be here. I've, uh, I've as you can see, I, the listeners can't see me, but I've mm-hmm. gotten plastic surgery. Ah, yes. And, um. Uh, gonna go find a new family mm-hmm. you know we've had a couple delvins on so maybe you're we just have the delvin crew going on yeah you know it's a good plan yep i think so i think they're special agents delvins but speaking about special agent delvins let's go ahead and talk to our very first original delvin the one the only delvin the dark web williams thanks pat uh, I was gonna say the best Delvin, the better Delvin, but 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 I'm not. Like I'm sure I'm, I'm sure this point Delvin Cox has like <laughs> two thousand followers. <laughs> so uh, the second best, uh, but the original to the show. I have no bit or anything of that uh, that nature at all. So I'm glad that you even gave me something to talk about. But other than that, let's talk some Joe. Let's talk some Joe. Yes. Speaking about talking Joe, we can't do that without our very own Weasel Skull. He carries the necklace. Yes, he carries the necklace around him wherever he goes. Proudly. Yes. He won them by fighting a bear, I believe. Two bears. Two bears. Yeah. Be exact. Yo- Yogi and Boo Boo. Oh, okay. You got that picnic basket. Mm-hmm. That little Boo Boo can fight too. Let me tell you, man. He <laughs> like locks onto your, onto your <laughs> kneecap and just ah, doesn't let go. He's at that crotch level. You got to watch out for him. Yeah. Dangerous. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm ready to go tonight. I've got my uh, special thermos of coffee here. So, uh, if anybody wants some of this special coffee, uh, it's uh, it's Sean's old recipe. He left it for me. So, um, you know, help yourself. I've had a couple cups, my you know, before the show, and I'm feeling y'all, good, y'all, man. Y'all, I, I'm I, feeling I good. By that. I walked by that coffee. I, I damn near passed out. It, <laughs> I, it, I don't know, man. I start drinking it, and then my Scottish accent starts sitting in. You know, that's ah, it's good stuff. Rest in peace, Sean. Love your coffee. How much is left of his coffee? What do we got left? 
Oh, I've got a, I still got about more than half a thermos here. So here we can spread this around. Enjoy yourselves. Mm, all right. Sounds you'll be, like a good time. You'll be marrying fake families. You'll be just having having a good time. You'll take be taking a, a missile to the chest and just shrugging it off. Mm-hmm. It'll be, be a good old time tonight. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to have to get, take a swig in between breaks. We'll do it in between breaks and see what happens when we come back from a break. Before we do that, let's go ahead and go around real quick. What's your current crusade in 10 words or less? I see I got some people thinking right away. I got see who's ready to go. Who wants to give me a thumbs up real quick? All right. Delvin came up first. Delvin, 10 words or less. What's your current crusade? 75 hard challenge day, 60. You mentioned that hard challenge on one more podcast. I'm going to f- kill you. I'll give you a hard challenge. <laughs> sounds, sounds on every awesome. podcast you're on, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed or not, but I've been doing the 75 hard I challenge. <laughs> Actually, all right. Drink a gallon of water. I'm very proud of you. That sounds like something awesome to do. But uh, Sounds like so, CrossFit. Yeah, it sounds like CrossFit. sounds like cult. Yeah. It's not a cult. It's it's a healthy life. You know what? I'm going to stop the bit myself. going to self-stop and let Pat keep going. All right. Well, thank you, Delvin. Let's go ahead and go to the second runner-up. Jared, you had your hands up. Ten words or less. What's your current crusade? James Bond book entry number two. Did number one as promised. Okay, it was 11 words. Okay. Booze is booze. I'm doing a uh, three-day... Hard challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you taking pills for that? After four hours, Jared. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stupid. I love it. All right. That just leaves the weasel skull. You've had some time now to marinate on it. Uh, probably take a couple swigs of Son's special coffee. Son, man, tell you something. <laughs> what was your crusade before you changed it? Planning to sabotage Delvin's 75 hard challenge on day 74. <laughs> How many days left? That's fine with me. I'll just talk about it another 75 days. How about that? You like that over there, Albrick? You like that over there? Oh, man. No. Drinking this coffee makes it hard <laughs> to plan. That does sound like a good challenge there, Jason, to try to do that and sabotage. You may say that you want to become a Sepatoa. He said the words. <laughs> that would I do, be my, Pat, would, I do want to become a saboteur. That's my challenge right now. That's my crusade is to become a saboteur. So I can walk around and say, hello, my name is Pat, and I'm a saboteur. Do you find me fancy? <laughs> I do. <laughs> all right. Well, I think with all that fun out of the way, we've talked enough. So Let's go ahead and invite everyone to be a part of the show by submitting their comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode are in the show notes, which can be found at the website, longboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcast feed on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there adding it, if you have already or if you haven't, go ahead and leave us an iTunes review. We need them. We want them. We'd love to hear from you. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Longbox Crusade. We hope you that you come along with us on this crusade to read them all. Now, before we get started with this episode's issue review, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Monthly, monthly, monthly. 
It's action film face off. Hello, I'm Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick, and I'd like to tell you about a podcast I do with my brother, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. Action film face off. Yes, thank you, Jared. Action Film Face-Off is a podcast where my brother and I, who are both military combat vets... Jason was a Navy SEAL! Jason was not a Navy SEAL. Jason was a military intelligence wing. But anyway, in each episode of Action Film Face-Off, we select two different action films. Some of them have Chuck Norris! Technically speaking, none of them have had Chuck Norris yet, but it could happen because we use a randomizer set between 1970 and modern day to select our two films. So you'll always get two films, each from a different year. Our randomizer has spikes on it! We use a Google random number generator, so it does not have spikes on it. And we put the films into our video dome arena. It also has spikes! It does not have spikes. But we discuss the films and score them through six different rounds of criteria. I score Bond films very high. Okay, that's true. But anyway, by the end of the episode, we crown one of the action films the champion of action film face-off. Next episode, Jason fights a bear. Jason is not fighting a bear, but please give our show a listen. We're part of the Longbox Crusade Network of Shows. Pat Samson killed a man with a sword once. I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers under Longbox Crusade, or you can subscribe to just our show by searching for Action Film Face-Off. Come see the blood fly! And that's Action Film Face-Off. We do, indeed, invite you to come and see the blood fly. I just said that! Welcome back from the break. Today's adventure from the long box is G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number 43, cover dated January 1986. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel, got a cover date of January 1986, but its on sale date was actually October 8th, 1985. Cover price is 75 cents. Mm, Man, those were the days. Editor, Dennis J. O'Neill. Writer is the one, the only, Larry Hama. Penciler, Rod Wiggum. Anchor is Andy Mushinsky. Letterer is Joseph Rosen. And colorist is George Arusos. This was reprinted in G.I. Joe volume number five, trade paperback, and probably be somebody's big fancy collection of it as well, too, I would think. There you go. He's holding it up. You can't see it, folks, but he is holding it up. Mr. Fancy Pants himself. A cover credits go to the greatest, best combination in the world. Zex, 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 Zex. Penciler Mike Zex. With the inks by John R. Beatty. Beatty, Beatty, Zex. Beatty, 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 Zex. Beatty, 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 Zex. Zex. Beatty, Beatty, Zex. That's enough. So we're bringing another Beatty Zex cover with our friend of the show. John Beatty. And speaking about the cover, let's go ahead and get a cover description from Jared. Peek behind the curtain, listeners. I actually forgot to prepare it, so get ready for an off the cover. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Got time for those extra words. We didn't have time to come up with that cover, I see, Jared. <laughs> well, I, I'm in a I'm in a hard challenge here. 
He's doing a 75 episode cover description challenge. Oh, you got time to make baby Zek beats, but take that time. 75 word challenge, right? Here we go, folks. Here we go, folks. I got you covered. No pun in. Well, it's kind of intended. Here we go. So you've got your G.I. Joe logo up top, and it, it is in a yellow font this time, but it still has the red, white, and blue streaking off to the right. To the top left, even after 43 issues, we still see our man Grunt, man. He's still getting a little bit of cover time. He's he's like, I'm still part of the team, damn it. All right, the main action is a pretty memorable cover because it's kind of bizarre. It is the cover of, of course, Beatty and Zek, where they basically did a skeleton shooting an m60 he's hooded in a brown tunic shrouded in mystery but it's a skeleton shooting an m60 it's an offbeat cover but a memorable one but i'm sure we'll talk about that but there's your description hooded skeleton m60 what more do you need to know all right thank you Jarrett, for that cover description off the cuff i love it sorry it was a little bare bones yeah (laughs) (laughs) you got by i can do a better one tomorrow I'm sorry, Tamaro. Oh. 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 I'm like, what? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're a numbskull. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to what we think of this cover art. And let's go to Jason. I really dig this cover. Mm-hmm. First off, it's very subtle, but I think the gray star on the G.I. Joe logo really kind of. Oh, yeah. This story is very gray. It's a man's journey, dark journey, coming into light by the end of it. So I think the star really kind of evokes the feel of the book. When I first saw the cover, and by that I mean when I first saw it as a kid, I thought it was Zartan on the cover. And I thought... 100% the same. I always thought it was Zartan. I was like, how does Zartan die, you know, on this one? But it's not. Uh, We'll get into it. We'll get into who it is and, and why in the story. But back to the cover... It really centers on that M60 right in the center. And the M60 is a signature weapon in the Vietnam War. And that's where this story is going to take us. Bit of a spoiler. And that M60 is just immaculately drawn, like every detail. I have to imagine it was very difficult to draw that. And I wonder if Larry Hama was very exacting on what he wanted on this cover. Just because, again... It's a story about Vietnam, and this M60 is really kind of a star actor in that story. So on the surface, it looks like a simple cover, but there's a lot going on here that I really like. Very good. I agree with you on that. This is an iconic cover for me as a G.I. Joe fan. Even as a kid, just the detail in this is just crazy good, crazy good. And I noticed it as a kid, and looking back at it now... That's why I chose this issue was when the randomizer chose the date and the month. And I looked to see what I had. I saw this cover and like, well, hands down, I got to do this one. (laughs) I have to. Not only for the cover, but for the story that's in it as well. So, Delvin, what do you think of the cover? I get the feeling that I'm going to be talking the least uh, throughout this episode as my expertise is probably the lowest. Well, not probably, definitely the lowest of G.I. Joe and absolutely the lowest with weaponry because I'm just not good at it. Just not something I had much experience with. Uh, That said, kind of like what a lot of people say about art. I don't know art, but I know what I like. 
And I think the thing to me that's interesting is if they just put like a regular person there shooting the gun off into, you know, the distance, it would have been like, huh, okay. But that skull made it haunting. Like, whoa. Mm, yeah. like to the point that like I I have seen this cover before. So that means that it has some iconic nature to it. And then also, I would have thought that something extra special happened this issue just based off of how that cover alone looks and all the detail in it. It's a very good cover. Very interesting to hear a new perspective on seeing this cover. And then I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on the story. So I think you will bring some something good to this. Speaking about something good, let's go ahead and talk to Death Probe. What's your thoughts on the cover? It's bizarre is the word i used earlier when i was describing <laughs> it like jason for years decades i thought it was zartan i thought it was a zartan thing uh, only when you pulled this one up for this long box crusade have i realized i i've actually never read this book i've seen the cover a million times oh, okay. but i've never read it so for decades i thought it was zartan and this is not just me trying to sound cool and fancy in fact it's kind of embarrassing that it took me this long but i was visiting Beatty in his workshop in Florida just a couple of years ago. And he hmm. had it framed on the wall. Oh, cool. And he's like, yeah, you know, that's one of our most popular covers that, that Zek did. And it's simply just a skeleton and a machine gun. And I said, uh, isn't that Zartan? He's like, no, skeleton and machine gun, machine man. Gun. <laughs> I was like, my, my brain went. <laughs> I was like, what? I thought, I always thought it was Zartan just kind of looking spooky. You know how he can change his look. You sure. Know, yeah, yeah. Look scary or whatever. And yeah, only just this week, I realized I've never read it. So now my brain, after what, 40 years, mm-hmm. is piecing this puzzle together. <laughs> and I'm really happy I did. I know that I didn't talk a lot about the art of the cover, but like the art of the cover, like Jason said, the M60 is spot on. Yeah. Mike Zek is in true form. Uh, Beatty's inks are perfect. All the blacks in the right places to give it shroud and mystery. Mm-hmm. And uh, whoever the colorist was, also did an outstanding job uh, with muzzle flash lighting on the face and around the front of the muzzle. So it's artistically, it's wonderful. And uh, my opinion on it is changing as we speak because it all came together in my brain this week. <laughs> I cool. think it's good, though. I think it's really good. Yeah, I, I think that's now that's really interesting now, because if this is the first time you're reading the story, first time for Delvin, Jason and me. Obviously, I've probably read. I mean, I see the cover. I knew what the story was going to be about, but it was nice to revisit it again. But I, I already in my head, I knew that what the whole story is. But it was uh, you know. honestly speaking, if I read it, I don't remember it. Okay, I, I think oh. this might have been the first read for me as well. Holy cow! Well, good. Then I brought something interesting for you guys to read. Speaking about that, let's go ahead and find out after we get a story synopsis. And I'm going to give you the story synopsis for this that I got from yojo.com. To make it quick and easy. Yo, Joe! He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe is American hero. G.I. Joe is there. It's G.I. Joe against Cobra and Destro fighting to save the day. He never gives up, he's always there. Fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Joe! G.I. Joe is 
G.I. Joe is the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose, to defend human freedom against Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. He never gives up. He'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe. And the title goes like this. It's Crossroads. And we have Wade Collins, Fred Broca, confronts Stalker and Snake Eyes about leaving him behind in Vietnam. He was a POW, which means prisoner of war, and then returned to the U.S. to join up with Cobra. At the same time, the Softmaster discovers who really killed the Hardmaster. As he is escaping from Springfield, he causes a car accident that includes Candy and Billy. The Softmaster stops to help when Scrap Iron fires a missile at them. The Softmaster sacrifices himself to save Billy and Candy. Then Scrap Iron kills Candy and apparently Billy. Well, we'll find out. With the story synopsis out of the way, let's find out what you guys thought about the story. And let's get an opinion from Delvin this time. I definitely didn't know some of the characters. I'll talk about the the main story. It was interesting. It was sad. Yeah, this I, is a little darker I, one. I can understand if I were an average Joe, no pun intended, and I were left on the field of battle by my teammates, and then I was basically nearly brought back to life and tortured like I was. I could imagine how much anger and resentment that I might feel. So I don't think anyone just looked at this uh, dude who wound up leading a double life and thinking, well, this is a bad guy. He was not a bad guy. He was Mm -hmm. put in a horrible, unimaginable circumstance. So that main driver of the story was a pretty gripping one, and it had an interesting ending. I I agree. This one was a little moodier, darker mood to it. A lot of story character moments in it that tell you how these the main characters wade and snake guys and stalker kind of together like that and and reading this as a kid in 1986 you know the vietnam war and all that was always in the big movies that were around there that time you know i'm a big sucker for the those movies where they go in and 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 you know free the prisoners things like that um what was um what's trying to think of the one that i really love the most it's the one with gene hackman isn't it <laughs> yes it's the one with gene hackman and uncommon value yes oh man i watched that with my dad you know my dad served during that time for you know the, those time frames too and, and watching that with him and not knowing at the time that i was a kid you know what it kind of meant for him to see that and you know now i think back and watching that it just brings back some memories for me as well, too. So, Jason, what's your thoughts on the story? I think that this issue really encapsulates why Larry Hama was the best and probably, in my mind, the only writer that could make this book so good. You have to remind yourself in this issue that it is a toy franchise, right? His A story in here, the first story that we're talking about, really, I think, has a lot of his heart, his soul, his experiences in Vietnam in it. And when I look at it through the lens of a soldier, like Delvin says, I'm conflicted too. I'm sitting there going through these pages of what happened to this poor man in Vietnam and what happened to Stalker and Snake Eyes and the rest of the team as well. Yeah. 
And that's why I said on the cover that gray star is so important because on the one hand, it's awful that that man got left behind. But you understand from Snake Eyes and, and Stalker's viewpoint why they left him behind. They thought he was dead. Mm-hmm. And this poor guy, he didn't even expect them to come back. He's like, why didn't you do the kind thing and put a bullet in my head yeah. right there before you left? I wasn't really expecting you to carry me out because I know you wouldn't have made it, but you could have at least killed me. And Stalker, you know, I thought you were dead. And at the end, as the story progresses at, at the end, and I, I won't go into it too much and let somebody else talk, but I think the journey through that whole discussion to the resolution and Stalker's decision at the end really evoked that soldier's code of honor that Larry Hama so understood and put in this toy sure, uh, yeah. book. You know, that's my Im- initial thought. Oh, very good. I appreciate that. To hear you guys talk about it, and you are, you know, all three of you are from military background. So hearing your take on it is, helps me understand it more too. And to, to that code that you just talked about, when I read it for this, I really understood that a lot deeper now, you know, older and could appreciate that and just go, oh, yeah. You know, I was like, well, why are you letting them go? And he, they even say at the end, well, we could have got all this information from them where Cobra was and what's going on. But they're like, no, he's our brother. We're going to let him just kind of do what he's got to do. We got to make things right. Yeah. I, I was like, I really felt for that at the end there. Jared, what's your thoughts on the story? Pretty much just going to echo Jason. He <laughs> said everything literally. I was going to say, yeah, every once in a while, rarely does Larry get what I call a freebie where he doesn't have to sell toys. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. It's, uh, yeah, we're not selling toys in this issue. We're telling a real story. But you know what? I think you are selling a toy because to me as a kid, that gave me more background for those characters to go, I want that. You know, I want a Crimson Guard guy because oh, sure, he's sure. going to be my Fred. He's going to be my weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you also know what I mean. Like, Oh, yeah, I do. Focus on this new vehicle or here's exactly. a new character, yeah. right? And, as we, you know, they never did make it Fred figure. Well, maybe they did later on for, like, Collector's Club or something. But, like, back in that day, you couldn't get it. So, yeah, yeah it was um, – I'm really glad I read this because, you know, we've been doing some of these issues over on Real American Headcast mm-hmm. with, with Aaron Moss. I've seen us building to this and it's kind of neat to see the payoff that I, again, I don't think I read this one as a kid. So this was like really poignant to me and shocking. And like Jason said, not a toy issue, full of heart, full of military authenticity, really loved that. They just let him go at the end. Cause I mean, he paid his dues. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he and gone then some. yeah. And then some, I mean, even, even after he went through hell and then he finally made it home, and went through hell again, you know, couldn't get a job, got yeah. no respect, all that yep. stuff, which happened, unfortunately, to a lot of those vets. So, yeah, uh, yeah, this I, this is definitely Larry kind of tipping his cap to his fellow soldiers and and just putting a little bit of like reality into this toy book. Like Jason said, it's it's a heavy read, but man, it just belongs here. It's it's a good book. I agree with what you're saying there. What do you guys think about the other kind of story elements that were happening besides the bigger a plot that was happening as jason said what do you think of uh, the hard master thing or soft master 
I know I know nothing about those characters. I was like, okay. who was the old man that's uh, like basically acting like a superhero and then sacrificed himself like that? Like I didn't, I knew nothing about that. It, but it, that guy seemed pretty cool and clearly had some instincts because he laid out like a bunch of uh, the cobra plants who were cops, and then the one dude is reaching for his gun. Is like I, I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> that's that's gonna hurt and sure enough the dude did it and sure enough he threw him out the window like ouch uh so but like he sacrificed himself seemingly even though i was gonna assume that he didn't die it seemed rather convenient that whole part of it but i thought it was an interesting part of the story so i'll give you a quick high level on that the soft master and the hard master they were in the ninja clan or the clan that trained storm shadow tommy and snake eyes so after they left the military they went to tommy's clan there and got they both got trained uh through there so and what happened is the hard master who was like the the older level uh got shot and so then at the end you see storm shadow running out so you presume that it could have been storm shadow or it could have been snake eyes but was it somebody else setting somebody else up we don't know. Well, the Softmaster knows. Jared knows, too. So that's kind of the story there. So he's finding out some information and was going to go act on it, but we'll see. And, and to put this into a scope for you, Delvin, this is very much sort of the hobgoblin tale of <laughs> Joe, where they drug it out yeah. for years of who killed Hardmaster. It was like, it is their long... I don't even know that they reveal it for another 40 issues or something like that. I can't wow. remember. In the 70s? Somewhere. Okay, 30 I, issues? Yeah. yeah I, I have mean, to. I, and I and the mystery be. starts, it started like 15 issues ago. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It was their long haul, like keep that long thread going like mm-hmm. they did with Hobgoblin and Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You have in the car, Billy is Cobra Commander's son. Didn't know that. Thank you. And Candy, she is... Name one, speaks for herself, really. Yeah. She's actually one of the Crimson Higher Elite Crimson Guard members who help build um, Cobra Island. So her dad's like okay. a big uh, muckety-muck uh, science guy for Cobra. Now, I don't know if at this... I, I honestly don't know if just her dad is... I don't know that she was so involved in it. No. she. So I, I don't think, think she's just the dad. She like, she's finding out what her dad is doing. Yeah. Because she's actually the girlfriend of... Ripcord. Or, Ripcord. Ripcord. The plot thickens. And which is, you can just tell, just these layers and the things that were going on with this when Larry was writing this, how he's all layering that in. And then you have, the, you know, this tragedy that happens, not only to Wade and, you know, and to Stalker and Snake Eyes, too, for, you know, realizing that, hey, their buddy, you know, this happened to him. And the Stalker is right. He's like, man, I'm sorry this happened to you. But just the other thing that's happening with the the other characters in the book as well, too. Meanwhile, in this time in our lives, Jared is making fun of me, saying that X-Men is too much like a soap opera. (laughs) (laughs) I stand by it. Anybody have anything else on this story? I know we we talked a lot, and I think it was pretty good. I really appreciated your guys' thoughts on it. Yeah, there's a lot going on in Springfield. I mean, the only thing I was missing was the freaking Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just for your knowledge and any listeners not as familiar with G.I. Joe, Springfield is a complete town, an entire town made of Cobra. Like, it was their hide-in-plain-sight thing. Like, they 
or just this regular town that looks like Leave It to Beaver, but literally everybody in town is Cobra. Yes. <laughs> That's kind of like their base. Didn't know that. So, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. It's kind of fascinating. It's one of those cool things that Larry does is like, never really seen it in any other comic. Like, where's their secret base? He's like, no secret base. It's plain sight. Yeah. But they just hide it. I'm like, oh, that's clever. Mm-hmm. Of course, they also have a secret base. So that announced. Now they got an island. Island. All right. Well, let's talk about the story art in this one. What do you guys think of the art? And we'll go with Jared this time. Good old Rod Wiggum. Uh, mm-hmm. He, you know, he's the who do I want to compare him to? Wait, who's the original artist on Joe? Herb Trimpey. Rod Rod <laughs> Rod Wiggum is the Herb Trimpey of this era. It's not super flashy. But it's it's cranked out and it's done. You know, everything I read behind the yeah. scenes is Larry's a bit of a bear to work for. You see a lot of pencils kind of come and go. He he ran off a lot of pencils on G.I. Joe. And I noticed that Rod Wingham stuck, which means he had probably a lot of patience, a lot of work ethic. He probably worked fast like Larry needed him to. He probably got Larry's vision faster than most. And he puts out a good product. Again, the interiors are not in league with a Z- Zek and Beatty cover. Sure. <laughs> but... It's that workmanlike, getting it done, not bad, crank out the pages. And that's what I, I think is going on here. You know, as a kid, I'd be like, oh, it's not Todd McFarlane or whatever. But like as an adult, you start to realize that the guy who can crank pages is the guy in comics. So I tip my cap. Mm-hmm. Jason, thoughts on the art? Just kind of picking up where Jared left off. It got me thinking that there are sometimes I think that the cover art can be too good for the interior art like it sets your expectations so high that when you open it your your initial reaction is like what this doesn't look like what's on the cover and i think i had some of that feeling as a kid growing up but like jared was saying now that i read through it i really appreciate the artist not flashy not spectacular you're not getting the jim lee mike zick you know mm-hmm. pick your top tier artist here But a couple of things that really stand out to me, number one, there is a tremendous amount of violence that's being described in art and form Mm. in the Vietnam part of the story. And as I look at the action sequences, it's drawn in such a way where it really makes you feel that violence and the chaos and the panicking of that moment without having a lot of gratuitous bloodshed. And it's just well laid out, well drawn. Number two, I think that he did a really good job of soft master and really displaying soft master's fighting skills where you hardly see, you just see soft master move. And then some fools laid out on the ground yes. or flying through a window, you know? And then finally, I think that the very end action scene where soft master sacrifices himself again, not spectacularly drawn, but drawn in such a way that you have a high-speed chase that you can really track panel by panel what's going on and feel the timing of just making it past the railroad tracks and the speeding train, only having Softmaster having to make an instantaneous decision. He's basically got gotten away. Does he have enough time before the train passes to save the three innocent lives, to go back and save the three innocent lives? And then finally, you know, Scrap Iron outmaneuvering him, climbing up that pole and destroying the soft master in the car and presumably everybody that's inside of it. But again, we don't really know because the violence and the energy is done in such a way that it's it 
really promotes the action, the exciting elements of it without being overly gratuitous. So I think that the artist really deserves some credit for walking a fine line, telling a very tough, visceral tale in a way that young readers could read it and enjoy it and understand it. I agree. I think you're just your last point there as young readers being able to read it, visualize it, this heavy, deep story that was being told. Me as a kid at the time, you know, 1986, I was early teens at this time. So I really, this was one that when I read it again and again in my read-throughs, you know, like I said, when I see the cover, I know what's in the story and I know what's happening. Delvin, what's your thoughts on the art? I don't think I can say anything that Jason and Jared didn't. So I'm simply going to point out that it was somewhat funny that I made a Simpsons reference. And then this guy's last name is pronounced Wiggum. Back to you, Pat. (laughs) Good job, boys. (laughs) (laughs) And it's in Springfield. (laughs) Gotta love what you do, chief. (laughs) I'm going to try all these Simpsons voices tonight. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, you're right, Delvin. It's you know, the the art in this and, and that, like you said, uh, I think Jason and Jared really covered it very well. But speaking about the art in this, let's hand it over to Jared for his patented Longbox Crusade, the original recipe segment. Yeah. Don't be fooled by those other podcasts who've stolen yes. it from us. But we still love those guys. Uh, so, yeah, you're at a convention and Rod Wiggum or perhaps Andy Mashinsky's there. One of the two. They've got original pages. They're black and white. They're looking good. Tell me they got a joke. <laughs> you came off me. I, I, sure you- I do. I'm like, dude, does that cover? I don't care. <laughs> Those are the interiors, but I'm not going anything else. But does that cover? You got to take something from the interiors. <laughs> no, you can't yes. make me. No. <laughs> Eat the cat poop. <laughs> we on, don't folks, do we're gonna check the bylaws no, this is the long box we're saying we don't do half season and we don't do covers <laughs> what no, that, is, that is not one of the bylaws <laughs> half yes cover no Wait, all right listen listen we're all taking the cover all right we all are. we know that now let's look into the interiors and see what we're <laughs> from Rod Wiggum or Andy Mashinsky. And Rod, if Rod or Andy's listening, he did a fine job. It's just hard. And you know the Beck and, Beck and Zadie. <laughs> I'm getting them all mixed up. You know the Zeck and Beatty covers are just, it's the golden age of G.I. Joe. I tell yeah, anybody when is. they're like, what should I start? I'm like, any cover that's drawn by Zeck and Beatty is a great book to read. <laughs> Anyways, let's look at the interiors. Okay. What page you taking? Pat, we'll go to you first. I'm tossed between two. But I'm going to go with page three. It's the the flashback that Wade starts with in the beginning where you see his face and then you see the Vietnam flashback. And um, just that of the five soldiers there kind of in the line doing her thing there, it gets me all the time. And whenever I see this cover, that's the image that I see from it. The other part, though, I want to mention as we talk about why the cover is like that. Towards the end, when Billy says, all I see is death, you see the Grim Reaper kind of with mm-hmm, his, mm-hmm. you know, that Reaper-y staff that he's got there. Scythe. Oh, a scythe. Okay. Scythe. Some scythe. people call it a Kaiser blade. Some people call it a sling blade. Oh, wasn't scythe, didn't he sing a uh, kingdom style? That's just sigh. No, sigh is like when you're like, oh man, I'm tired. Yeah, I thought that's, no, that, that's just like a, all the time. 
That's just a oh. sigh. That's like G H. Uh, not P S Y. Is that like the song? I saw the sigh. It opened up my eye. I saw the sign. <laughs> it's, I, it's, I saw the sign. Uh, all right. Sorry I took us down okay. that, that hole. So I, I, stayed, going, I stayed on mute that whole time. Yes, you did. You did very well, Jerry. You uh, applaud you. I think that's where they're getting the Grim Reaper kind of uh, in the in, on the front cover. And then instead of the sigh, he's got the, the 60 in, in his hands. There is a connection there. Jason, the weasel skull. What page are you taking? I'm going to be totally unoriginal and agree with Pat and take page three as well. I love, L-O-V-E, love the Vietnam era, long range reconnaissance patrol, stalker, snake eyes, storm shadow, and crew. Mm -hmm. And just seeing them like this uh, on that page, that's one of my favorite parts about the G.I. Joe magazine. And yeah, love it. So page three. If they, I know I'm taking us to a whole new podcast. If they included... Six to eight minutes of that in the Snake Eyes movie, it would have made that movie twice as good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only piece of the puzzle that was missing. If they had put that in there, I would have geeked out all over the damn thing. Yeah, I, I, I still enjoyed it, I'd but man, 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 it would have taken it to a whole new level. But let's get to Delvin. Do you go with the cover? Well, I would go with the cover, but since I'm confined to the rules. <laughs> Of the interior, I just LBC, I simply want to add that point seven seven one. Like if if like Rod Wiggum was there, you know, like with all his wares, and then like that cover somehow appeared there, he might look and say, "I'm in danger." Another little little Wiggum. <laughs> I held on to that one for a minute. <laughs> now that it's out, I feel much better. I'm taking page one. Back to you. Ah. Uh, same as me. I'm picking page one as well. I think it's got a great lightning effect. It's got great ink work. And it's kind of cool for me to see Stalker and Snake Eyes in the military Class A uniform, especially Snake Eyes with his fake rubbery mask on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it really sets the tone for the book. So I'm with Delvin on page one. Notice nobody took the page of Candy bent over her car to fix the engine. So Ow. good job taking the high road, everybody. I want yes, Candy. <laughs> of the time we are a classy podcast, Jared. That's right. Every time I read the word candy, I go, ow. (laughs) I go, of course you are. Of course you are. (laughs) (laughs) So many different references. I I just love, by the way, because clearly she's meant to be a sexy character. But like that 80s fashion. (laughs) Red and yellow leopard print suit. Peppermint stripe headband. The weird belty thing, the short leather skirt, those boots. I mean, it's so, so 80s. Yeah. And I love it. (laughs) Well, speaking about so 80s, now that we've gone through the story, the art, and the interior page that we'd like, let's find out, does this bring back any 80s memories for you guys? This is January 1986. And I've kind of said a lot about me as a kid reading this through and just... My memory when I see this is just this book and the interior, everything about it, reading G.I. Joe over and over and over until the next one came. Then they would start again and read it over and over until the next one came. So that's that's my 80s journey on this one. But let's find out what it meant for you, Delvin. We may have had an 86 book before, but even we have or haven't, it, I'm always reminded that this was my 
my year. This was my start of collecting uh, comic books and going to that Big B drugstore that fateful day and picking out uh, Transformers 24. Obviously a good time. 80s were a great decade for comic books. Absolutely. And I give Marvel a ton of credit for either by complete luck or by just a some very savvy, astute editor to pick writers like Larry Hama, who is a G.I. Joe legend, and Bob Budiansky for Transformers, who wound up being a Transformers comic book legend, to pin those books for as long as they did. And of course, Hama had a longer run than Budiansky. Still, these were seminal times for a lot of people our age and great comic books and stuff worth going back to. So that's what I'm reminded of. Jason. Yeah, I'm about 15 at this point. Not about, I am 15 at this point. So that would put us uh, where we're in Fort Hood, Texas. Aren't we, Jared? I'm still reading comic books. I think this is, this is around the time of the new universe, I believe when Marvel was coming out with that run. So I was reading through those. Yeah. It was just a good time to be, Reading comics, I was about to discover girls, uh, you know, not too far down the road, and comics kind of went by the wayside. But now I here I am as a 50, almost 51-year-old man, uh, twice divorced, living alone with eight cats and a room full of comic books. So I went back to comic books, and I ain't never going back to girls, fellas. Never going back to girls. <laughs> Yo, Joe! Yo, Joe! <laughs> you got all the girls you need in that picture of candy so you, you want to change your mind to that candy one <laughs> yeah i may need that candy one <laughs> jared what's a memory well if jason's 15 that means i'm 10 because we're five <laughs> some part <laughs> just like delvin was and i definitely remember living in texas uh, fort hood and uh, at this time i don't know if i've ever told the story of long box crusade before if i have well you're gonna hear it again but my mom grounded jason i got in trouble for you know, something <laughs> and our punishment in 1986. You guys can't have your comics. Ooh. So she took the stack of comics. Not only couldn't we have it, we couldn't buy anymore either. That was important for the story. It's important to say. No, no, the story. No, no, I'm getting there. She took the stack of comics, which important to the story was probably 12 inches and put it in her closet. Now, Jason and I were within walking distance of the Shopette in our section of Fort Hood, Texas. For those of you who don't know, Shopette's kind of like a convenience store military-wise, right? It's usually a gas station attached, so think of it as a convenience store. And they always had comics, because this was 86, and soldiers love comics. Mm -hmm. Jason and I would walk to the store, okay, where we would get some sugary treats, usually Little Debbie's or something like that, and we would... Oatmeal, oatmeal cream, little Debbie's was my go-to. Ooh, ooh, I, <laughs> I, like the jelly roll. I like the jelly roll. And we buy a couple comics. And then as we get close to the home, we tuck them into the front of our waistband. We can't do it now because our bellies are too big. But back then, <laughs> we tuck them into the waistband and we cover it with our shirt, right? It's the perfect camo. So we kind of kind of get in that, hey, mom, maybe we're back from our snacks. You know, we beeline back to the room. We, we put the comics under the bed. We read the comics under the bed with flashlight. And then we discovered the best hiding place was to put them in the stack that had already been taken from us when no one was around. <laughs> and for some, I don't know if Life's my mom, Greenfield, we hit them in plain sight. Man. I don't know if my mom turned a blind eye or if we just duped her, but the 12 inch stack went in 
and like a 24 inch stack came out when we got up <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know that dad listens to these podcasts you might not want to share this one with mom yeah. i don't know that's <laughs> up to you she got duped I don't know if she did or she, she, I, I have to think she just like looked at it at some point, just shook her head and was like, it's not even worth the fight yeah, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> there comes a point, I think, like, you know, with your kids when they do something like that, very inventive. <laughs> and like, well, you know what? <laughs> you know, it took a shot. It took they a outsmarted shot. me this time. Yeah. Do I want to do it? Do I really want to battle this? Is the... Yeah. I, you know, it's so weird because that event just really ties in. It must have been about this time where Marvel had their anniversary and they were doing those covers where it was like a zoom in of someone's face. Like Snake Eyes was the joke cover, and there was a border of all the uh, like all the Marvel characters going around the border of the cover. That was the, the that was the assistant editor's month, as I recall. Whatever the- it was, yeah that mm-hmm. that uh, that was around this time because I remember a few of the, the books in that stack were of that. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, of that run, ah, yeah. Okay, so there you have it. There's yeah. uh, Jason and I's uh, childhood. I will make one addendum to that story, though, because as I recall, because we didn't read them when we got home normally, at least I didn't. We would take them and then we went to the park and we would crack open those little Debbies and we'd we'd like split our little trade off little Debbies and then read our comics, switch off, read read the other comics, and then we would take it home. Because that, make, that makes more sense. I didn't have the although, cojones to get caught reading it. <laughs> although we did sometimes come back under cover of darkness, and we had what's called captain's beds that are meant to be put up against the wall because they have drawers built into them. But that mm-hmm. means if you pull it away from the wall, there's about a two-foot yeah, space back there. Treasure like, back there. You can yeah, hide yeah, a boatload yeah. of treasure back there. And I remember... Because Jason and I both under that in that space had like a sleeping bag and a pillow. There was like a bed under the bed. It was like a little mm-hmm. cave you go into. Yeah, a little, and a little yeah, flashlight. And I remember reading some down there, but those are probably the ones that we did under cover of night. Yeah. Most of the yeah. time we probably did read them at the park. Now Jason mentions it. Mm. That does sound right. Fun story. Well, thank you guys for those memories. And if any listener that has a memory as well, we'd like to hear from you. You can do that by sending us a comment or a question, even. And what you thought of the show, send us an email at contact at lawnboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Lawnbox Crusade Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram page. That's going to do it for this part of the show. But you can also contact us by calling and leaving a voicemail that we might just play on the show. And how do you do that? You can leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's right. You can call us and leave a message at 707 707- 532 <laughs> We will be right back. Spider-Man spoils a snatch. Stop, thief! Peter! Someone stole the Cope Emerald! Whoops! What's Peter Parker doing here at a time like this? <clears throat> Gee, Mary Jane, I just thought of something. Wow! Some smart Alec is projecting hundreds of images. My spiderwebs can't catch what's not real, but how to tell which is the real villain? Nothing human can resist Hostess Cupcakes. He can't help but show himself. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. My images can't enjoy this delicious devil's food cake. This fudgy chocolatey icing. The fresh, wholesome taste. I can. Oh, fudge. I didn't get the Cope Emerald, but I did get the rich taste of Hostess Cupcakes. The day isn't a total loss. Peter Parker, you miss all the excitement. 
I just went out for some Hostess cupcakes. That's enough excitement for me. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess cupcakes. Welcome back from the break. Let's continue on with the show. Now it's time to scan through the featured issue of G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 43, for the top ads that stood out to us in a segment called Add It Up. up. Here are the ads that stand out to us in this issue. And I will give it to Jared to find out what ad stood out to you in this issue. Well, Pat, if our listeners were watching, they'd see it over your left shoulder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, know, I, I knew it. I'm like, mm. I was seeing that mask ad and it was just like, that's kind of like the most awesome sort of forgotten toy range of this time. Because, you know, as you get distance from 86, you kind of go back to Joe, you go back to He-Man and mask a little bit lost in the shuffle. But man, that was a cool toy land. And I was more of a Joe guy, so I only had two mask toys. I had the good guy motorcycle that turned into a helicopter and the bad guy motorcycle where the sidecar became a submarine. And those were the only two that I had, but man, I really liked it. It was one of those toy lines I kind of wish I could have got more into, but uh, you know, we weren't the richest kids on the planet like Delvin and his Transformers. So I had to sacrifice. <laughs> and uh, I ended up, and the only reason I got those two mask toys, I think I got them from like birthday from like my aunt or something, but man, I treasured them. Man, mask was a cool, underrated cool. line. Yeah. Oh yeah, I totally agree. And that, that would be the one I'm going to choose too on this. Cause I should have claimed it right away when I sent out, uh, you know, when we went through and we said which ones we're going to do. Oh, so. I thought you want to do the mask movie. That's in here too. No. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna like, talking about the one with Cher. <laughs> yeah, with Eric Stoltz. I like that one. That's a, it wasn't one. a bad movie, but anyway. No, this is entertaining. <laughs> we got sidetracked. <laughs> Maybe it's 86. It'll be one of our movies. I don't know. <laughs> when you're talking about these, and you like you said, I, those are my original toys that are back there on the shelf. And out of the eight that they show, I have seven of them. Spoiled son of a bitch. Out of the eight, maybe one, two, three, four, five, six. I got six out of out of the eight. I don't have that big playset. I wanted that thing, and I don't have the Jeep. The big playset was something mountain, wasn't it? Can't remember what it was called though. Boulder Hill. Boulder Hill. Boulder Hill. Yeah, right. That was their headquarters? Yep. I had the Piranha, which was the purple motorcycle, yep. and I don't. Yeah. Was it the That's Condor cool. that was the good? The guy Condor was the. Yeah, oh my! The, the memory on Jared. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Fun times. I would like to see a movie of Mask. I think they could do it. I think it'd be pretty cool. I check it out. Delvin, what's an ad that stood out to you? I mean, come on. I know what one of I know what one of it is. Mask 2? You see that spotty backpack? That thing was sweet. I would wear that spotty backpack now. So what are you talking about? I would be the coolest kid in the office. Oh, that, man. Like, I saw that. I was like, if anyone even claims that, it's like, oh, oh, coming for you. At Delvin's yeah. office, uh, Mr. Man. Williams, we carry briefcases in here. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I had spider <laughs> Would you like my snack like, Well, maybe I should work somewhere else then. Good day, sir. <laughs> good day. <laughs> I'll be I said good back. day. <laughs> Jason, what ad for you? You know, I'm going to do... A, something a little irregular. I'm going to go with the Mile High Comics ad. Okay. I love it. I love it. I think it's appropriate for this one because the first comic I ever ordered via mail 
was a G.I. Joe Digest from Mile High Comics. This was oh. before internet, folks. This mm-hmm. is what I had to, and I was in Germany, so it's an APO address. So it should be coming tomorrow, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I remember, Jason, I remember you and I ordered from East Coast Comics when I lived in Germany. <laughs> It was one of those things like we had forgotten that we yeah. made the order when it came. We were like, holy crap, comics. <laughs> yeah. It took me back though, because it was there was something special about it. Because number one, I remember because it was a G.I. Joe comic, which was appropriate for tonight's topic. Sure. It was a G.I. Joe digest, to be exact. And our Stars and Stripes bookstore had the digest, but they were missing one of those issues in between. And so I of course, back then, you know, we're serious readers, so I didn't mm-hmm. know what's going on. So I've got the, I ordered the digest, and yep. you know, it took a minute, but it did get there, and it just brings back memories of when you had to have patience and play the long game to get yeah. back issues. <laughs> no eBay, no Amazon, just my comics. Let Order me tack onto that. Let me tack onto that. Mm-hmm. I went out of my way a few years ago when I started being a regular on the Real American Headcast. Aaron Moss plug. I said, I want to get these, you know, in hand again, but I want the digests. So I yeah. tracked down and I have all the, I think they ended up only making a dozen or so, something yeah, like that. So. I think it's yep. a Jason, my doubles actually. And I was like, oh, I got the digest. It'd be so cool. Like we were kids. And what you don't realize when you're 40 something. <laughs> you can't read them. You can't read that. <laughs> like the digest is like, oh man. Get out them spectacles, boy, because you are not reading that like you used to. <laughs> Delvin, did they do a Transformers Digest? I think they might have. I think so. That I sounds familiar. Yeah, that's when, now that, I, you know. I Wait, have, yes. Uh, they absolutely, like, you mean, like, the two-in-one book? The little, the yeah. Digest? Well, it was, like, a small oh, head, yes. maybe. They absolutely, yes, yes. They absolutely Four or five issues in them or something like I remember one that had at least two in there because it was telling the end of the first year of the Transformers. You know the one where um, Optimus Prime gets his head back and like just uh-huh. kicks all the Decepticons' butts. Yeah, I, I got. I, I remember that, that was how I even got to read those issues is because I found a digest somewhere oh, and picked it up that. and was able to read it. Like I remember wearing the cover off that thing. Yeah, heck yeah. Oh, now we got a new crusade to do. Get some of those. Yeah, Transformers Digest uh, well, Chronicles. It's the same exact story. It's a smaller, just smaller package. <laughs> listeners can't see it, but I'm holding up my magnifying glass ah. here. For the last time, I had to read a GI Joe Digest. <laughs> so, the the worst thing is not only is it smaller, but the print quality is a little worse. So sometimes the words are just yeah, faded. the blurry of the yeah. And I, uh, I don't mean cool. to make this segment longer, but I'm going to. I got to give a shout out to the ad that I always thought was super cool. It was the three posters that would like glow in the dark or they were day glow. Or oh, like there was a, like that. I love that ad with the robot and the, mm-hmm. and the, like you could put all three together to make a scene. And I have never in my life seen that in, in the wild. Like I've never known anybody who's had them. I've never seen them hanging up in a comic shop. I have never seen those posters. So if you have them, please drop a picture on Twitter at Longbox Crusade, I want to see those posters so bad in the real life. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be cool to see. And did you get to keep the neon laces for your tennis shoes? Oh, yeah. You got it free with when you're with the poster. <laughs> <laughs> 80s was big on neon, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. 
Well, I would wear those neons at the roller skating rink because then when they put on the black lights oh, and it was like, uh, the music would, you know, <laughs> man, my laces would glow all cool. <laughs> Turn off the lights. The paddle glowed to the extreme. Anyway, that's the 90s. Well, barely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the fun we have. So you got a comment or a question. Is there a favorite ad that you remember that we talked about? Or did you get this glow-in-the-dark posters? We want to know. We really want to know. So send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or send us a comment on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram page. You can also call us and leave a voice message that tells us, hey, I got the posters and I want to give you guys one. Yes. Because we'd love that. Or if you just want to say it. Sorry. Yeah, we'll tell you where LBC headquarters is, and you can come on down. <laughs> you can tell us. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just call us and say, yeah, I got the poster. But you can leave us a message, and that's at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. <laughs> Now let's continue on with the next segment called Way Back in Time. Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. What famous date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? January 1986. Got it. On January 24th, Voyager 2 makes its first flyby Uranus. (laughs) I put put that one in there. They found moons by Uranus. They found moons by Uranus. <laughs> you show us on Klingons? <laughs> we are grown men. January 24th. I'm 51 years old. <laughs> January 10th, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar of the Los Angeles Lakers scores his 34,000th career point during a 124-102 to win over the Indiana Pacers. Only NBA player to reach the milestone at that time remains the all-time leader at 38,387 points until LeBron James passes it. Your turn, Jared. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was good at basketball. That's what I take away from this. He was. He 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 was was very good. Also excellent in the airplane, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) My dad says you don't put enough effort in. (laughs) At least I didn't get back on defense or something. Listen, you little brat. Tell your dad, you tell your dad to chase, <laughs> chase Larry Bird up and down the court for, <laughs> for 15 minutes and see how much he wants to get back on defense. <laughs> but I'm not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Anyways, here's what I found fascinating, actually. And, and Pat does a good job digging these up. So shout out to Pat for digging up these historical events of January 1986. January 20th is the first time we celebrated the federal holiday of martin luther king jr day and man i would have guessed that went back much further i mean i guess it's been a part of my life since i was 10 i had good memory before that but kind of fascinating 86 the first time uh, martin luther king jr day uh, becomes a federal holiday you know we were on trivia pursuit i would have thought maybe it came about in the 70s but there it is 1986 interesting facts here the next one i will take is from uh, January 23rd, the inaugural class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inducts Chuck Berry, James Brown, <laughs> jump back when I kiss myself, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Hell yeah. F- Fats Domino, the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis Presley, Little Richard, Robert Johnson, Jimmy Rogers, Jimmy Yancey, Alan Freed, John Hammond, 
and Sam Phillips. Wow, what a cast. I knew none of those names after Little Richard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I wonder if they were in a band that I would probably know. But I was more impressed that Pat read about... Pat read eight names in a row and did not oh, slip up. Oh, my I God. How did I miss that? that? <laughs> <laughs> I came in with my stupid joke. Oh, I don't know his name, but I missed the forest for the trees ah. on that one. <laughs> nah, Pat. Now, I, re- I really wonder if Robert Jan- Johnson, Jimmy Rogers. I messed up the name. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if Robert Johnson, Jimmy Rogers, all those guys. I wonder if they were in a band that I don't know about. Uh, you know what? I would have to look it up and find out. But if somebody knows. Let us know in the comments or even pick up the phone and call us. And and once again, Sam Cooke, hell yeah. One of my all-time favorites. Oh yeah. There's a one of my all-time favorites. But again, too, that's so surprising that it's the inaugural of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I would have thought that was around early. Again, yes. I didn't realize that 86 was the first year. (laughs) We're making leaps and bounds in American 86. We got Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We got Martin Luther King Day. It's a good year. (laughs) All kinds of stuff happening. All right, well, let's go ahead and get to the top three movies for January 86, and we'll go around the horn, and we'll have Jason start us off. All right, number three was Youngblood, and it raked in $15.5 million. I wonder, is that a, one of the, you know, Emilio Estevez, Estevez whatever brother movie, Youngblood? I, I don't know. I feel I like it's a Brat Pack era thing. Yeah. But yeah. I got nothing. Oh, yeah. Delvin, isn't that what you say? Say like old black men call young black men or something? Young blood. Yes, actually. Yes. <laughs> no, don't, even, don't cover your face, Jared. It's it's true. I was I hate it when Jason gives voice to my inner thoughts. Like when my, it sounds like my inner thoughts sound like Jason, but I'm like, I'm yeah, not. like. I'm, yeah, like the, the old school dudes usually like, like they always have like the military knife pan pointing at you. That, yeah, let me tell you something. Yeah, I, it's, it's true. <laughs> I got to ask you a follow up question. You're about to be 45. All right. Have uh, you ever referred to like a 12 or 20 year old yes. as a young blood? Like, have you taken? No, I, <laughs> I, I, I have not yet. Like, age? I have gotten to, I've got, I've not gotten a young blood state, but I have gotten to the point, like somebody in their young twenties, I'm like, yeah, this kid or whatever. I'm like, it's mm. not a kid. That's a girl. It's like, eh, no, nah, no, no. They're, <laughs> they're, they're kids. <laughs> yes. Like I said, I realized oh. there was a point in my life where I was sitting next to a very attractive woman on a plane and she revealed to me that she was like 19 or 20. And I immediately just started giving her life advice. Like old Jared would have like flirted <laughs> with her, but new Jared was like, let me tell you how to get your priorities straight. That's when you know you've you've, you've gotten old. Start <laughs> saving for your future, young lady. <laughs> Have you invested in a four hundred one k? If you just set fifty dollars aside now, you'll be a millionaire by the time you're sixty-two. <laughs> It'll reward you later. Okay, all right. The number two movie. I looked at the script. Don't have to look at it anymore. It is Iron Eagle. Made twenty-four million dollars. Ask me what you will about that movie. I've seen it a million times. It also had Louis Gossett Jr. in it, who I am mm-hmm. certain has said Young Blood. He <laughs> might have said it in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the Young Pilot's nickname, wasn't it? In there, Young Blood. Or, yeah. uh, that's one of those movies that's just so 80s fun yeah. to watch. But like from an Air Force point of view, it's painful to watch because you're like, wait a minute. A bunch of high school kids are able to steal fighter jets. <laughs> Dude, look, they left the keys to the S-16 in the plane. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. But you put that part of your brain away and you have a blast with it. Yeah, that was a good movie. Fun movie. 
Yeah, doesn't the Air Force have like safety chains like we do for the for like our Humvees and stuff? Yeah, <laughs> yeah up the controls. You don't mess you around on an Air Force airfield. Like the running joke is, if you take someone to visit the airfield, you tell them, "Hey, go go up and touch the plane because <laughs> you're not going to make it." There's literally security guards that watch twenty four seven. If you go anywhere near the plane, they're coming to get you. Which is weird because in Army world, you can go touch the plane. They mm-hmm. like I- I've worked on the Army base for years, and they don't care. It's very weird. Anyway, what the hell are we talking about? <laughs> Iron Eagle. All right. Well, let me get to the number one movie. Do it. The number one movie, 1986, January of 1986, is Down and Out in Beverly Hills, which I'm quite certain had Danny DeVito, I think Bette Midler. It made over a little over $62 million. I have seen it. I don't enjoy it so much. Like, I, Wasn't Nick Nolte in that one, too? I think you're right. I think he played the homeless guy. Yeah, he was in that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I've seen it, and I just was under, like, number one comedy of January 86, $62 million. You're like, oh, it's got to be real funny. It's got Danny DeVito. Like, I could probably name easily a, a dozen Danny DeVito movies that are funnier than that. So, yeah, I, it it didn't, like, it didn't seem so much funny as it did cruel. I remember it that way as well. It's, like, mean-spirited. I, I didn't like it. Interesting when you go back and look at some of these, you know, like Iron Eagle, we remember it from our kids' point of view in our eyes but then looking at something like down and out in beverly hills would you go back with your adult eyes and look at it now and i might should because i genuinely haven't watched it since i was probably in my late teens but i just remember yeah. going eh Same. yeah hmm. well with that let's go ahead and get into the top three songs according to billboard at this time and i will start us off with number three Alive and kicking by Simple Minds. Wait until your love is, love is, is alive and kicking. Easy, oh, easy. Oh, I know, they're going <laughs> to... We're going to get a copyright strike if you guys get too close to the original song. All right, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. I do remember that song, though. It was, it was awesome. That was That's a good a song. Great song. I Jason guess that brings it to... Y'all remember that one? Mm-hmm. You probably do, just not the way I <laughs> You don't know the Jason version. <laughs> anyway, number two. We know him. We love him. It's Eddie Murphy. Party all the time. Take it away, fellas. My girl wants to party all the time. Party all the time. Party all the time. Okay, we're so sorry. But people tried to clown that song. It's good. It's good, like... Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, that song's terrible. Eddie Murphy, that's like, Rick James was on the song, so how bad could it have been? Uh-huh. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. Settle down. Yeah, settle down, new age people that, like, you know, any artist now. That, no, it, it wasn't that bad. It was not. I'll still say to this day, too, I love the Bruce Willis album that he had, The Return of Bruno. Yeah, it's a fun album. When, and Don when Johnson's album that, wasn't yeah. so bad, you know? I feel like Michael Thomas is, is not memorable, but I don't know. She if got a roof that don't leak. <laughs> we got to stop Willis. mentioning songs around Jason. Yes. We're in like the 90s, 2000s, which was your guys' time. This is my time to shine. This is Goonies time, man. Oh, my God. Somebody Literally, it was Goonies. <laughs> The number one song was Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie. Oh, and when you say it, you need to say it. Say it together. Yeah, naturally. Naturally. That's a great song. Especially when it picks up the beat. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be too close. (laughs) 
I already have. I, I'm already gonna go listen to Sam Cooke. I might listen to that on my walk tomorrow. You know, like I'm you doing the 75 hard challenge, challenge, Jared. Brother, like, you do, like, can we get Jason to we'll find that. a friend too? <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question, send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. You can also follow and leave a comment on Twitter at longboxcrusade. We will be right back. Hey, folks, this is Jared Albrecht, a.k.a. The Yard Sale Artist and semi-regular co-host of the Longbox Crusade podcast with Pat Sampson. Pat came to me recently with a fantastic idea on how we might get the podcast community involved in taking some action to do some good. He called this idea Comics for Courage. Comics for Courage is a concept that came to Pat after I told him the fantastic true story of when I was stationed in Iraq during my military service. While there, I received a huge care package of comic books from the awesome folks over at Wizard and Toy Fair magazines. We had so many comics, we didn't know what to do with them all. Seriously, it was over 100 pounds of comics. So me and a couple of buddies took the bounty of comics we had down to the Give and Take Library we'd set up in our headquarters building. And you know what? Within 24 hours, all the comics were gone. The bottom line here is that throughout history, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, one thing remains a constant. Soldiers love comics. It's quick easy fun reading that gives a soldier a taste of home and lets them escape into an amazing world of comics even if it's just for a few minutes so here's the best part of comics for courage pat and i aren't asking you to donate one cent of your money to comics for courage what we would love is for you to donate your excess comics you know those ones that are just kind of laying around just drop them into a box or a big envelope and mail them over to supportourtroops.org. Their mailing address is Support Our Troops, 13617 North Florida Avenue, Tampa, Florida, 33613. Now, they will make sure those comics get distributed to random soldier care packages, and as a person who's been on the receiving end of this, I can tell you it will mean a lot. And if you'd rather donate money than give up a single comic book, trust me, we understand about that, you can donate through their website as well. Again, that's supportourtroops.org. Just remember two things, all right? Two things. One, make sure the comics have good, clean content. No nudity or adults-only comics, please. Those are the rules for any military member receiving goods downrange. Okay, and number two, this is the fun one. Please take a picture of you with your donation stack and post it on Twitter or Facebook at Longbox Crusade. Or email it to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'd love to give you an on-air shout-out and post your pick on the longboxcrusade.com website. In summary, Pat and I over at Longbox Crusade Podcast would greatly appreciate you taking this small action to make a difference in the life of someone who is far from home defending our freedoms. Thank you for supporting the Comics for Courage initiative. That website, again, is supportourtroops.org. Please check it out. Throw them some comics, make some soldiers happy. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, and so much more. 
So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf and the rest of the Wolf Pack. Ow. 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 Elburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Where you go, Braxton? Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins. Battle wagon himself. Gary Viola. Gerald Green. Jason Keen. Kind of tacky for you to read yourself. To, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> Jeremy L. Jim, Jamin, Jim, Jamin, Jim, Jamin, Jim, Jamin, Jim, Jamin, Jim, Jamin. I hope you like Jim Jamin too. With his friend Joe Thomas, John Watson, Josh Strickland, Candace Ward, Mark Ross, Maxwell Traver, Michael Wagner, Miranda W. MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. P.D. Devon, Paul Hicks, Rick from Jeff and Rick Present, Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey67. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com and searching for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show and we will share your review on the next show. We will now... Discuss social media, like, shares, and retweets from Longbox Crusade episode 31, where we discuss Tarzan 11 from April 1978. Kriga Bundalo! <laughs> Kriga Bundalo! Nice. It's too fun. <laughs> Started off, Jared. Armando. There was something in the air that night. It might have been Aaron Head Moss. And Helica Fetty Wolf. Oh. Aorus. Been smiley? I've been not so smiley. <laughs> Bronze Age Babies. Carl Gibson. Charlton Hero. Chris Lydon. Chris at BTO Impact Books. Let it roll. Let it roll. Down the highway. Death metal. Clinton Robeson. Coffee and Comics. Dan Schwint. Dave's Comic Heroes blog. David Krausen. Days of High Adventure podcast. Emil Pinter. Ernesto Perina. Fan Film Fridays podcast. <laughs> Gene Hendricks. Hits Toy Bunker. James Charles Huntley. Jeremy Spaulding. George Louise. KB Chuck Hines. Kurt Spencer. Man 0022. Manuel Canyete Mendoza. Martin Roach. Max Traver. Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. In Logan. Radioactive Dinosaur. Ray Kenny Reyes. Richard John Fuller. Richard Cassell. Rick Heineken. Rick Tendall. Saul Lehrman. Shayna Fos. Sean P. Currens. Tarzan. At that ape man. Makes sense. Tim Price. Timmy, come on down. Timmers, which is not Tim Price, by the way. Hmm. 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 Interesting. <laughs> hmm. What's going to happen here? 
I usually do the beat. Oh, oh, you need somebody to give you a beat? I anybody want to lay the beat? Ask for it, Jared. I mean, give me a beat. and we're finish it off with warlock thanos podcast we're not quite done pat we have a few social media comments uh jared you want to pick one or two Sure, I'll start with a new member of our network, Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. She said, y'all had way too much fun on this episode. Bonus to patrons, let us hear the original song from the feedback section. I'm not sure what, because I know it goes faster. So I'm not sure what we were singing unless it was Let It Roll. God only knows what we were singing. Anyway, <laughs> anyway she said, I came here to tweet Boondalo, <laughs> which is always welcome on the network at this point. And she says she's also excited to show this off and shared a picture of her original 45 album of Baltimore's Tarzan Boy. The only thing I can say to that is... <laughs> song still is awesome. It, it is, is still awesome. I will take from from Unpacking the Power of the Power Practice. Power Can't Stop. And it says, I'm dancing safely or something. Because I think at the time you did a safety dance kind of vibe to the unpacking somebody did. T, 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 Say, 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 dance, dance, dance. Well, we're going to get copyright strikes. We're going to leave your friends behind. Jason, Jason, copyright. Last comment. Well, Rick Heineken says, I picture you all recording this in loincloth. I don't wear pants. I thought we established yeah, that. We've been clear on this. I thought it was terry cloth. So I have my terry cloth onesie. Terry cloth my onesie, blue, yeah. baby blue terry you cloth You should onesie. save that for the Honor Majesty Secret podcast. Oh, oh. Yeah, we should make that a bylaw, I think. Yeah, yeah nobody wears pants on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, very cumbersome. Anyways, Pat, you have something to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I didn't say I had anything underneath that, you know. Terry, you like to fill anyway, the yes, cloth yeah. all over? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I like to feel on it. It's like a soft, sitting on a cloud, you know. <laughs> Thank you for coming it's off like of polishing, you you that. Know? It's like having both your, your boys polished, you know, just uh, uh, um, like buffing it out to a nice shine. You can call us and leave a voicemail that we just might play on the show. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOSS. Pick up the phone! Pick up the phone! Hi, it's Paul Hicks here. I'm sorry I haven't had any opportunity to send you a voice message. I won't be able to do one for quite some time. I'm really sorry. Bye. Thanks to everyone for the likes, shares, follows, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusade.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jared, Jason, Delvin 
for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. And we'll start off with Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Delvin. You can find me at either DEE underscore RAY 1977 or at Pimp Destro. That's right. I'm bringing it back. Pimp Destro. It fits. G.I. Joe. <laughs> Jared. I love it. You can find me at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all Yard Sale Artists. Or check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com, where I have several G.I. Joe options that I've drawn on pages of actual military manuals it's fancy i assure you it is very cool they are very cool to have and you can find me on the twitter at christatos01 and if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles join us on the next episode of doing it live stream over on youtube we do them on the second sunday of every month and we always start at 3 30 p.m central time you can get signed up for that by looking up Lombox Crusade on YouTube. Please hit the subscribe, smash that subscribe button, hit that alarm so you get the alerts when things come out for notifications. We are putting more stuff out on the YouTube. If you like the podcast, you can watch the podcast with some extra pictures in that to help you along. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Lombox Crusade. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to The intro music is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. So, and speaking about all kinds of good stuff happening, let's go into the top three movies for January 1986. Hang and on, we'll start a- Hang on, Pat. Are you singing Change Gun Come on mute over there? <laughs> if I had to Maybe. Bet. <laughs> if I had to bet. <laughs> oh. Maybe. Change just just, uh, just instincts. <laughs> I'm looking at the script, so I didn't see what Delvin was doing. Sorry, no, no, that's I saw Delvin singing. I was like, I mentioned Sam Cooke. Delvin's favorite Sam Cooke song is Change Gun Come. I bet that's what he's singing. <laughs> that's a great song. Ernesto Pierini. Karina. Karina. Okay.